I've had a lot of requests to tell an old preacher story again. Well, the truth is, about two months ago, one person told me that my stories weren't that bad. But, you know, <laughs> it doesn't take much to encourage me. So this is truly an old one. It's about a, a poor country preacher. <laughs> Anytime I say someone's a poor preacher... <laughs> I think about a little Dennis the Menace cartoon one time where he's leaving church and he stops and tells the preacher, he said, I put a dollar in the plate for you today because my dad said you're the poorest preacher he's ever known. <laughs> but not that kind of poor. This, this guy was a good preacher, but he worked with a little country church that didn't have a lot of money and he didn't have a lot of money and he really struggled. He had a young family. And there was a time particularly where they were going through a rough time because one of his children had quite a bit of medical expense. And he was just distraught, not knowing exactly how he was going to continue supporting his family. Well, about that time, one of the wealthy families in the area was throwing a wedding for their daughter. And, of course, uh, they were pulling out all stops and doing it upright. And they didn't ask the country preacher to do the wedding. They called in this famous big city minister to come in and do their precious daughter's wedding. Well, the country preacher kind of understood that. They really wanted everything to look good and so forth. So anyway, the day of the wedding arrived and he received a call early that morning. Well, the big fancy preacher couldn't come. He was sick. And so the mother of the bride said, we're really in a bind. I know this is last minute, but could you come and do this ceremony for us? Well, out of pride, he almost said he couldn't, but he really wasn't that kind of guy. And so he said, sure. So he went to his closet and picked out his best suit and dusted it all off and tried to make it look as nice as possible and, and went to the big family's estate and did the ceremony. And he did the best job he could and he even got quite a few compliments about it. Well, as he was about to leave, the mother of the bride came and gave him a little package and said, here, this is just a small token of our appreciation. Well, he took it and he got in his car and he was driving home and put it on the seat beside him and then it hit him. You know, he said, you know, this family is so wealthy and I really did bail them out. Maybe, just maybe, this is going to help out in our situation. So when he got home, he tore into the package and looked. It was a pair of gloves. Now, this man was a righteous man. He was a spiritual man, but this just really hit him in the stomach. He thought, you know, as badly as I need resources and as much resources as they have, and all, a pair of gloves? And it made him angry enough that he just put them in his drawer and forgot about them. Years later, after the preacher passed away, his son was cleaning out his things. And he found that little box, and he opened it up, and there was this pair of gloves. And he thought, well, I wonder if those will fit me. So he began to put his hand in the gloves, and there was something in the gloves. And he began to pull out from the gloves $100 bills. In each of the ten fingers was a $100 bill, tightly rolled up, and inserted. The man had received a great gift, but he didn't know it. He had just put it aside and had never used it. This little passage that we read, as brief as it is, 
refers to four great gifts that we have been given by our God. And while most of those gifts we can name, we so often kind of push them to the side and take them for granted and fail to recognize truly what the blessing is or perhaps fail to acknowledge who it is who has given us these blessings. Now, the first two of those blessings are two that do come to mind somewhat often. The first one is implied by the text. We really have to back up just a few verses to verse 7 to really read about that blessing. Verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The first gift that we have been given by God is our life itself. We exist. We are beings only because God desired us to exist. And he has given us the breath of life. Only because God wanted to be our father did he bring us into existence. And it is easy enough for us to forget that he is the source of that life. Now, there are times in our lives when, oh, maybe we lose a loved one that is so close to us. Or perhaps we begin experiencing health difficulties. Or maybe there's some kind of close call on the highway or something along that line. And we begin to recognize how fragile this gift of life is. And we turn our hearts once again and say, thank you, God, for what you've given us. But an awareness on a daily basis that it is God who is the source of our lives. That is the beginning of faith. That is the first step in truly becoming a man or a woman of God. It is the beginning point of enjoying that daily relationship with him. I want to invite you to join with me this week in practicing a spiritual discipline. Then I'm going to do the very best I can for my waking thought each morning to be this. Thank you, God, for giving me my life and for giving me this day. I acknowledge you as my Father and my Creator who has given me this wonderful gift. The second gift that God gave us is the provision to live this life. Not only has He given us this life, He's given us what we need to sustain this life. Our text says the Lord God took the man and put him in a garden. Now, earlier he talked about that he planted this garden particularly for the human creation that he had brought into the world. And he has given us all that we need, everything that will sustain us, everything that, that causes us to continue upon this earth. It all comes from God. Do any of the rest of you sometimes forget that? You know, we can be like the rich fool. 
And when times are good and things are coming our way and we begin to plan on how we're going to use these for ourselves and save them up and kind of think, wow, things are so good because I've done this and I've got this and I've got that. And we pull down the old barns and build the bigger barns. Or during those times that are lean, like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, we begin to worry and wring our hands. Will we have enough? Why don't I have enough? Why do others have more? And begin to think those thoughts. Another one of the beginning steps of faith is to recognize that not only has God given us life, but he gives us the blessings to sustain that life. And to live a life out of gratitude that constantly thanks God for all that he has given us. Join with me in making a commitment this week of appreciating all that God gives us. That when we open that refrigerator and pull that food out, or if we drive up to that drive-in window and pull that money out of our pocket and get the sustenance that we need, that we say, thank you, God. Or perhaps you'll want to maybe think of a passage that, that dwells in most all of our hearts. It was written by David, the man who knew the heart of God, a man after God's own heart. And I just wonder if he hadn't been worried a lot about how his life was going. He had many times in his life where he had a lot to worry about. But one time in his life, he sat down and he began to think along these lines and he realized, God takes care of me. And he wrote a little poem that's lasted a while. I think it's in the computer. Why don't we say this together? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Third gift is one that perhaps doesn't come to our minds very often. Continuing our reading. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to sit around and relax, to put his feet up. No, no, wait a minute. That's not what it says. Put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. One of the greatest blessings God gave us is something to do. Our vocation. A calling to be productive. This is what we are to be as the people of God. To seek ways to use what God has given us to produce. And whatever we are doing, as people of God, we recognize that we are doing this to the glory of God. That's another calling that's mentioned in the New Testament. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all 
in the name of the Lord. And whatever our calling is and whatever it is that we are accomplishing in life, whether it is great things or humble things, they are important if we do them to the glory of our Lord. I think of two examples of this. One is one of my favorite authors of of, uh, old times. Brother Lawrence wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence was a monk at a monastery. His job in the monastery was washing dishes. Isn't that amazing? That one man who is remembered as one of the spiritual giants was a dishwasher. But the reason we remember him and we still read his little book is because when he washed dishes, he washed dishes with God. And he washed dishes to the glory of God. The other example I think of is one I probably have mentioned to you at one point or another is a sweet lady. I talk about her husband a lot, Edwin Rasco, but his wife was Kathleen Rasco. And Edwin and Kathleen both lived well into their 90s. And Kathleen was just a dynamo in her younger years. If there was a need anywhere, Kathleen was there. She was always cooking and taking food and being with people and helping whatever they could do. But later in her life, she developed severe arthritis, the kind that, that distorts your, your hands and you can't really... And she spent most of her days lying in bed, couldn't even get up, and, and, and she couldn't get out and do anything. But she taught me that whatever stage of life we're in, and wherever we are, we can do something to the glory of God. When she realized she could no longer leave her home, well, she began to have her husband and her children bring her greeting cards or supplies to make greeting cards. And with those crippled hands, she would sit down and she would write out cards to everyone who's having a birthday, those who are having anniversaries, those who had lost someone, she'd send a sympathy card. To those who had done something amazing, she'd say congratulations. And when Kathleen finally passed away, and, and I was up speaking about her and talking about how much I appreciated her, there were probably 400 people gathered in that room, which is an amazing thing for someone who's 94 or 95 years old. Probably 400 people gathered in the room. And I simply asked the question, would everybody who ever received a card from Kathleen please stand up? And every single person in that room stood up with tears in their eyes. We are called upon to be productive, but to be productive for the glory of God. And however humble our calling is, And whatever difficulties we have in our situation of life, if we but pray and if we but think, we will find something to do. Join with me this week in making a commitment that I am going to do something in the name of the Lord. That I'm going to be productive in reaching out and helping others in His holy name. And finally, the last thing that God has given us Sometimes we don't count as a blessing, but it truly is, and that is the boundaries around our life. The Lord God commanded the man, 
You may freely eat of every tree in the garden. Now, we, we go on to the second part. We know he's going to say, but don't touch that tree or don't, don't eat of that tree is what he said. And, and we think, well, there's that first prohibition. But listen to the first part. I've given you this whole garden. Someday I'm going to write a book about my dog that I had back in Tyler. Uh, I, I think probably someone's already written a book with this title, but I'd like for the title to be Everything I Needed to Know in Life I Learned from My Dog. Okay? Because that little dog, a little weenie dog, taught me so much. She was crazy, but she taught me a lot. And, and, and one thing that she taught me was about boundaries. Because one time she started digging out of the yard, and we could not keep her in the backyard. And, and, and there was a highway about a block from our house, and we loved that little dog. We didn't want her to get out. And so, so what I did is I, I, I got an electric fence, you know, those little wires, and I, and I cordoned off an area in the backyard, and I put that around there. So I finally put her out there after the fence was going, and here she goes running for the fence to dig out, and she hit that electric wire, and you would have thought she died. She screamed and rolled around. I felt like a, you know, a terrible person. And it, well, I thought, man, that's just too cruel. I can't do that. So I took the fence up. From that time on, if we set that dog in the backyard... She stood there. Her world became about 10 feet of that backyard. She had the whole backyard to roam and to play, but she stayed in like 10 square feet. You tell me, what kind of reputation do church folks normally have? Loving life, excited, exploring God's world. They don't write comedy skits about that, do they? Y'all remember the church lady? If you think of someone who's real religious, what kind of picture comes up in your mind? (laughs) You know, God has given us so much and set us free and says, go and do and enjoy. Uh, A verse in, in, in Timothy get to my right notes here. <laughs> it, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says, set your hopes on God because he richly provides us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. As people of God, we are called upon to enjoy life and to roam and do all the things that God has put out there for us to do and to enjoy. However, there are boundaries, and there are things that are not good for us, and God has told us what those are, and what a blessing that is, isn't it? There are boundaries that we don't want to get beyond, and yet sometimes we begin to think that that we can push those boundaries, and even though we know God has said, this is not good, then we can go and we can do Join with me this week in committing to finding joy in life and finding those things that God has put in our world to enliven us and to give us pleasure. But join with me in searching and seeing where perhaps I'm putting my toe over the line, recognizing that those things will destroy me. We know how this story turns out with this man and later that woman. 
We know what they did and the decisions they made. But the good thing is your story is still being written. And it's your decision as to how your story will end. Will you enjoy the gifts that God has given? Will you appreciate what he has done? Let's stand and sing.